Fighters are flexible martial weapon masters that are able to pull off nearly inhuman feats of strength, agility, and skill. But what if also more magic? Countless classes are capable of powerful spellcasting, and any number of these mages can add a magical edge to a fighter's combat prowess. So stay tuned for today's episode to learn some weird mage fighter combinations and the tactics that they can bring to the table. In D&D 5th edition, fighters are powerful damage dealers, but the fighter class often lacks utility and versatility. Mages vary greatly, but usually they sacrifice a lot of their viability in melee or survivability in general for their powerful and versatile spells. There are, of course, several ways you can make this multi-class build come together, but ultimately our goal is to have the best of both worlds. We want to use multi-classing to be a martial powerhouse and an arcane threat all at the same time, while swinging our sword and blasting spells also at the same time. What's not to love? But wait a second, what exactly do we mean by Fighter Mage? A lot of the character classes in 5th edition already blend both martial and magical elements, but when we talk about the Fighter Mage dual class, we aren't talking about just paladins or warlocks. We want to take the Fighter class and add some serious magical firepower to its arsenal while remaining a martial character. In short, we want to be both able to swing our sword and blast arcane spells. So what are the downsides here? More so than most multi-class builds, we're trying to essentially have our cake and eat it too by trying to do both typically conflicting strategies. This means we're going to likely be multiple ability dependent while also needing feats to accomplish a lot of what we want to do. Our dual class progression for both our martial abilities and our spellcasting are going to take a hit as we split our levels between both disciplines. Each spell per day tends to care about mage levels and dipping lower on this means fewer spells. And we'll be getting fewer attacks than a plain fighter. And as with most multi-class characters, we're going to sacrifice the top end and capstone features of our respective classes. So when does a fighter mage really start to kick in? Well, we're not really looking at one build here today. We're looking at a wide range of very different builds with similar goals in mind, but with different special abilities. So the answer is going to be different for every build. Generally though, you should be looking between levels five and eight for a kicked in fighter mage build. Now let's get into what class features we care about. These builds are about creating a character that is both martial and arcane. So while the different spellcasting classes we can utilize change the builds up quite a bit, we still mainly care about our core fighter features and a few key magic elements. We'll assume we're building for optimal slashing and blasting, even though there are some other possibilities. First, let's go over the significant fighter features, starting with hit points. One of the big advantages that fighters gain over the spellcasting options is just raw hit points. D10s ensure your build keeps a healthy high hit point total. And then we have fighting style. Obtained with only one fighter level, the archery, dueling, two-weapon fighting, and thrown weapon fighting options all provide a bit of extra damage in different ways and for different strategies, while the new superior technique option also provides a way to pick up a maneuver. And then we have weapon and armor proficiency. Trying a martial strategy with most spellcasting classes runs into weapon restrictions and armor restrictions. By dual classing and taking our first level in fighter, we get the fighter's unrestricted access to every armor and melee weapon we could possibly want. Just make sure that when you're starting your character creation, you start with the fighter and not the mage. And then we have the famous second wind. With only one standard fighter level, we get even more resilience in the form of second wind. As a bonus action, we can heal 1d10 plus our fighter level once per short rest. Many characters owe their lives to this simple and quick heal. And then we have action surge. Gained at second level, Action Surge is powerful normally and downright broken when used right. 
It breaks the action economy and simply lets you take another action, making it one of the most valuable fighter abilities. And now to briefly touch upon archetypes, we'll go into them in more detail in a moment, but a lot of the fighter archetypes and even just the initial third level features of those archetypes can be incredibly useful for the builds that we're going over here today. And then we have extra attack. I will allow you to guess what that lets you do. Now let's go over our significant mage features, which aren't really specific features, but rather they're things that can definitely help this character build. First off, we have cantrips. All spells are useful, but cantrips in particular don't use spell slots, and uniquely, they scale with our total character level rather than specifically with our spellcasting class levels. This means a cantrip cast from a level 20 wizard will be exactly as powerful as a cantrip cast from a character with one wizard level and 19 fighter levels. This makes cantrips invaluable combat spells for the slash and blast style of play, which is exactly what we're looking for in this kind of build, or these types of builds, I should say. Warcasting is more or less a generic term for an attacking and spellcasting ability that we can get from a few different sources. Ideally, we want to be casting spells and making melee attacks in the same turn, which can be tricky to accomplish without the right features. If you're primarily a fighter with only a dash of rogue, this feature may justify the second level, allowing you to dash, disengage, or dodge using a bonus action. And then we have Arcane Recovery. Specifically, Arcane Recovery is a first-level wizard feature that lets you recover some spell slots once per day on a short rest. But more generically, we just need some feature that can reliably refill. And then once again, we'll have archetypes, but I will go over those more in just a second, but just know that archetypes on either side of this are important. Some of you out there are probably wondering, there's already a fighter archetype that grants access to wizard spells. Why not just use that? Well, the Eldritch Knight sadly just doesn't hold up when you do the math when compared to a Fighter Mage multiclass. Let's compare the two builds, one that is purely 8 levels of Eldritch Knight, and one that is 5 levels of Fighter and 3 levels of Wizard. The spells are nearly identical here, and with Eldritch Knight you do get War Magic which lets us cast a cantrip and make a melee attack as a bonus action at 7th level. The problem here is that for our war magic, we are losing out on arcane recovery and two entire archetypes and their features for just war magic. Granted, war magic does get what we want, it's just very inefficient at it. As a full fighter, we want to make use of all of our weapon attacks. War magic lets us make one weapon attack in addition to a cantrip, and only one cantrip. This means on a turn we make use of war magic, we're not only ignoring our other potential melee attacks, but we're also not casting higher level spells. Now of course Eldritch Knight is far from the worst build in the world, but let's see what we can do that's a bit more efficient and makes better use of our class levels. Let's start with the easiest and simplest build, Martial Bladesinger. It's also a bit of a cheat because we're just running a Bladesinger wizard with a couple levels of fighter. Bladesinger is already a strong spellcasting and martial combination, but with just two levels of fighter added to the remaining 18 levels of Bladesinger wizard, we elevate what the Bladesinger is already trying to do. We're also casting spells mainly as part of our melee attacks rather than making both melee attacks and also casting spells, so it's a bit of a cheat that way. So how does this work exactly? Bladesinger is a very strange wizard archetype that encourages us to get into melee with a two-weapon style using Bladesong. As a bonus action, you can enter a minute-long Bladesong, which grants us a bonus to our AC and concentration checks equal to our intelligence modifier. It also gives us a 10-foot walking speed increase and advantage on dexterity saves. In order to gain these benefits, we can't be wearing medium or heavy armor, and we can't be using a shield or a two-handed weapon. This puts us squarely in the two-weapon fighting camp. 
Starting with two levels of fighter gives us more hit points in the early game to work with. Healing from second wind, action surge, and importantly, the two-weapon fighting style. Bladesinger is already the extra attack feature, so we don't need to push any further into fighter levels. Though if you want to go just a bit further for the fighter archetype, that's a valid play. For our stats, we want our intelligence and dexterity to be as high as possible. With studded leather and an 18 in both intelligence and dexterity, we can rock a 20 AC in our blade song, which is downright impressive for what is mostly a wizard. Past that, we want constitution as our third highest score for more hit points and better concentration checks. Strength, wisdom, and charisma can all just be dump stats for us. The trick here is that we can use the infamous Shadow Blade with all of our spell slots to essentially be a full spellcaster while working as a magical swordsman. Shadow Blade conjures a magical sword in your hand that deals 2d8 psychic damage and gets advantage on attacks as long as you're in dim or dark light. And assuming we can also be attacking for full value with our offhand weapon, we can become a magical meat grinder of attacks. With two levels of fighter and six levels of blade singer wizard, making our attacks using a shadow blade cast with a third spell level slot and an offhand short sword, we should be able to deal an average of 43 damage around. And mind you, all of this you can do with 20 AC while making most attacks at advantage, assuming you've got some darkness to work with. Or cast yourself. Now let's get a bit more technical with the quick and squid sorcerer. This build takes advantage of the Sorcerer Metamagic Quicken spell. At the cost of two sorcery points, we can change the casting time of one of our sorcerer spells from an action to a bonus action. So if we quicken a spell, we're free to make our attack action, then use our bonus action for our spell. The problem with the concept is that it burns through sorcery points fast, and we can suffer due to a lack of spells. That's where the squid part of this build comes in. By taking the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer archetype, we can pick up their 6th level feature, Psionic Sorcery. Psionic Sorcery does two very powerful things for us. Firstly, it allows us to cast any of the spells in the Psionic spell list using a number of sorcery points equal to this level, which is the same number of points you can gain by sacrificing the spell slots in the first place. This essentially gains spell slots back as long as they're for Psionic spells, and we can feel much more confident in melting our spell slots down for full sorcery points whenever it's convenient. The second thing it lets us do is cast our psionic spells without verbal or somatic components, so long as we can cast them using our sorcery points. No somatic components means that we can cast our psionic spells while holding a two-handed weapon or a weapon with a shield and just no worries in the world. So what does all this accomplish? Well, imagine, if you will, running into combat swinging a long sword, a big warhammer, or a battle axe covered in green flames, and then quickening a psionic spell and making somebody's brain explode. To put this together, I recommend starting with two levels of fighter, then six levels of sorcerer, then followed by three more levels of fighter for a minimum total of five fighter levels and six sorcerer levels. This will get you all the key features that you'll need. It's important to start with fighter to gain all of the armor and weapon proficiencies, but past the 5-6 split, you can finish out the class with levels of either depending on if you feel extra spell slots or extra hit points are more valuable. For this build, we want to absolutely prioritize charisma and strength, making both ability scores as high as possible, followed by a secondary consideration for constitution, dexterity, wisdom, and intelligence for dump stats. For the fighter archetype, I like to take the Psy Warrior here mainly on flavor points alone. It doesn't particularly synergize with the build, but the Psy dice are useful and there aren't many other archetypes we can get value from without using up our bonus actions. Champion and Battlemaster are also nice generic options if you want to go that way for a powerful choice. For the Sorcerer archetypes, we take the aforementioned Aberrant Mind archetype. 
we wear heavy armor and wield a great big two-handed weapon. For at least one of our cantrips, we take a melee cantrip like Green Fire Blade or Booming Blade. So long as you can focus on the psionic spells, which is an excellent bunch of spells, by the way, you'll be able to siphon each spell slot into sorcery points and back whenever you need. So long as you focus on the psionic spells, which is an excellent bunch of spells, by the way, you'll be able to siphon each spell slot into sorcery points and back whenever you need. Every turn you can slam in with your Warhammer, and depending on the situation, you'll be able to make multiple attacks with it and then quicken a spell, or make a green fire blade attack and then quicken a cantrip. Smash and Blast. Finally, let's get into the most complicated build here, which combines the Echo Knight Fighter, the Graviturgy Wizard, and the Warcaster Feet. Together we want to essentially cast an extra spell each round by casting or attacking on our own turn, but also casting a cantrip each round as an attack of opportunity. Warcaster allows us to cast cantrips in place of melee attacks whenever we would be able to make attacks of opportunity. It also lets us cast spells even when our hands are full and we get advantage on saving throws for concentration checks, but the opportunity attack aspect is what we want to abuse here. As before, we want to start with two levels of fighter and then get up to six levels of wizard, then take another three levels of fighter to get us up to an extra attack. Past that, we're good to take any levels of either for flavor. Intelligence and dexterity should also be our highest ability scores with secondary consideration for constitution, strength, wisdom, and charisma as dump stats. This build also requires a feat, specifically the Warcaster feat. If your DM allows it, you may want to take the Human Variant for the first level bonus feat. Otherwise, you'll just be stuck waiting around till you get an ASI for one. The idea is to use both the Echo Knight and the Graviturgy Wizard's amazing position control abilities to essentially force our enemies to provoke our attacks of opportunity and therefore our spells. Echo Knights get some of the most interesting fighter abilities with the power to manifest an Echo of themselves. This echo poofs away if it takes any damage, but you get to make attacks as if you were them. And critically, you can make attacks of opportunity as if you were them. The Graviturgy Wizard gets the Adjust Density feature at second level that can let us increase our own speed or decrease the speed of a target. And if we get to sixth level, we can shunt creatures five feet whenever we hit them with a spell. Put all this glorious board control together and you can practically guarantee that you'll force an attack of opportunity on your turn as they attempt to trudge between you and your echo. So imagine with me, if you will, the idea of spending your turn hacking away with melee attacks as normal or casting spells from your distant echo while they're all up on you and vice versa. But you also get to regularly fire off cantrips as a reaction as well. I have a lot of players at my table who enjoy trying to kit-bash multi-class builds together and see what happens. The Battle Mage is easily the most broadly tested category in that regard. There are probably dozens of worthwhile combinations I did not mention here, but I think the appeal of these types of builds is plain to see. Thank you guys so much for watching, I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed the multi-class builds that we went over here today. If you guys have any ideas, please let me know down in the comments, and if you're going to be building your own Fighter Mage, I definitely want to know about that as well. Thanks again for watching, my name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell everyone.